Mr. Robot, Season 1, Episode 7 is over. It has been for a while, but we're just getting started talking about it here on Robot Road, on our Mr. Robot Rewatch Project here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wiggler, and joining me today to choke the life out of this episode is Antonio Mazzaro. Get a good grip, Antonio. Oh, my gosh. Formerly known as Antonio. FKA Antonio. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I love that FKA Twigs. That's, yeah. uh, that's some good jams that's going on during that. Good murder music. Great murder music. Great music to die to. That's something that uh, my friends and I often talk about. It's like, oh, that would be a good song to die to. You have interesting conversations you know, that are non-podcasts. You know, it's just, you want to, like, go, like, if you wanted to go out to pleasant music or, like, badass music. Uh, Do you have always... a ranking? Do you have the best song to die to? No, I haven't planned that far ahead, but that's a pretty good idea for my buzzfeedy mind. <laughs> <laughs> BuzzFeed the Beast, Josh. Yeah. Oh, man. We're making light of, once again, another dark episode of Miss Robot. Spoiler alert, they're all pretty dark uh, already, but from here on out, for sure. Uh, this is a very dark show that we're into, and obviously some dark stuff happening in this one. If you are listening to this and you haven't watched episode seven for some reason, turn away now. As always, with these podcasts, we have spoiler-free sections and spoiler-filled sections, but fair game in the spoiler-free section today, this is the one where where Sharon Knowles bites the dust and Tyrell Wellick has graduated from beating up homeless people on the street to straight up murder. Yeah, straight up murder. Just murdering all over the place. Just murdering all over the world. Yeah, this is a murdering on rooftops. Yeah. This is not good. This is not a cold <laughs> robot. This is not a cold robot at yeah, all. No, hot robot. He's gone hot. Yes, he's this a is hot, when hot bot. <laughs> hot bot. Yeah, this is when, like, the robot signals have been way too crossed and, like, he's overfried and, like, he's become self-aware and all men must die type of thing. Yeah, this is the, what they call the singularity. Like, he's That's become right. self-aware yeah. and now uh, the only bad things are going to happen. Spoiler alert, Tyrell Wellick is Skynet. <laughs> this is not good. That is what we are getting into here. I don't want any part of that. In Mr. Rova. But that's a big deal. Obviously, we're dealing with the fallout from everything that happened with Shayla in the previous episode. Lots of developments for Angela in this one. We're seeing some stuff with Darlene. So everybody is kind of getting a moment. Mr. Robot is like on the move in this episode as well. He's making moves. He's acting a little cray. Uh, so you know what? I always kind of forget episode seven. Are you with me on that at all? Yeah, I think so, because there are some big things that happen in this episode, as you're talking about, but it's hard to exactly place them, because this isn't an episode, I think, that it's more of a an episode that I think begins the, the kind of falling action or the climactic cycle, if you will, of this first season of right. Mr. Robot. So it's the rising action, maybe, uh, and it, it, there's some things that happen here that do directly lead to other things that come out uh, in the next episode or two following it. Uh, but as it is on its own, there isn't like a big caper, like freeing someone from jail or Shayla dying right, or right, right. Uh, getting into Steel Mountain or right. anything like that. So it does exist in its own kind of way. Yeah, like regard. with those episodes, you could say there was like, there was the, there's the episode there's the pilot. You're always going to remember that. There is the episode where Elliot is pushed off the rail. There's the the drug episode. There's the hallucination episode. There's Steel Mountain. There's the Shayla episode. And then, like, what do you call this episode? This is the one where Tyrell kills Sharon. You just, like, it's hard to really pin it on an Elliot action, I think, is probably the big deal. Um, so this is just one that kind of blurs together for me. But digging into it, I'm really excited to drill into this episode with you because I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff to unpack, both on a spoiler-free level and a spoiler-filled level. I think it's going to be really fun to talk through. Um, anything else before we dive right in? 
No, you said drill, and I have a bad toothache, so I don't like you right What's now. What's wrong with your tooth? I don't know. Maybe the government got a, got its radio waves in there. I don't know. You tell me. Evil tooth. Evil tooth. Evil tooth. <laughs> All right, so before we hop in, let's just say one last time, if you want to subscribe to what we're doing here on the Mr. Robot podcasts, please do. Postshowrecaps.com slash MRRobot. iTunes, we are getting closer and closer to the season two premiere of Mr. Robot on July 13. Antonio just announced that Mr. Robot season two is going to be 12 episodes. 12 episodes. Uh, this is uh, USA is loving. They're also, Josh, did you know... There's going to be an after show, a live after show, at least after the first episode. One of those kind of uh, talk shows that are all the rage these days. I don't know where these people are getting their ideas. Like the Talking Dead type of thing. Yeah, Talking Dead, Talking Talking Saul. Saul. This one, do you know what this one's called? Uh, What's it called? Talking Robot? Hacking Robot. Hacking Robot. It's the old gerund noun, which was a a hashtag on another one of our podcasts here on Post Show Recaps when Rob uh, Sestronino and I were talking about Better Call Saul. The gerund noun format stays true. Hacking robot, uh, here we are. So that's going to happen. This is a big deal. And yeah, season two is starting. If you want to leave us reviews on iTunes, it would actually really help because the more reviews we get, the more ratings we get on iTunes, it's a great way to support the podcast because... The, the more people know about the podcast once season two starts, the greater our community can expand. We can talk and get more questions, more ideas, and really dig in. Because I got to tell you, Josh, from everything I'm seeing for season two, the trailers, the kind of promo materials, it looks absolutely bonkers. Bananas. Just bonkers. I, I, mean, I won't I, – we'll get into it in the spoiler section, but there's an image in the new trailer of a character – with blood all over their face. And I got to know how that happens. All right. Well, we'll talk all of that through in a little while. Let's talk about view source first. Let's view view source. And the episode begins with a scene that like I, I remember the first time watching this being like, Shayla, you're still alive. Aww. And then like quickly realizing, nope, I'm a dummy. This is a flashback. Shayla's still dead. And this whole episode, like this whole first scene is so depressing given the context of what they're talking about and what we know has happened to Shayla. So depressing. Poor innocent babe in the woods wiggler. Just, oh, Shayla, is that you? <laughs> Shayla. Is, that, is it your sister? You look different. Different haircut? Maybe <laughs> sister Shayla? No. I, my wife and I just watched the entirety oh. of Hello, Ladies. Yes. Uh, the show with Stephen Merchant, and it was on HBO, and it's very funny, and Shayla was on it. And I was like, Shayla! No! Shayla, it's you! Oh. You know, interesting. Also, Joanna Wellick is in it as well. Interesting. Yeah. There's, those are two ladies. Yeah. Uh, are they the titular ladies? Hello, ladies. No, they are not. Okay. They are not. Well, uh, i got to be careful saying stuff like that. Very so, good show, by the way. Everyone should check that out. I'll yeah. check that out. I will. I watched the, the, the pilot only, so I would like to watch the rest it's of it. very fun. But, very low-level commitment. Eight episodes plus like an 80-minute made-for-TV movie. You mentioned low-level commitment. I think it's fascinating, this first kind of introduction we get to Shayla, because she's so awesome, even from the jump. She's talking to Elliot, connecting with him in a way that we really don't see other characters connect with Elliot. It makes it all the more heartbreaking, of course, when The Cure, uh, Pictures of You comes on uh, and the title card comes up, because we know what happens with Shayla. We know who's responsible for what happens with Shayla. And we even know from this very first interaction we see where Elliot's talking about the Suboxone, and Shayla brings up that she can get it from a psychopath, but yeah. maybe Elliot's worth a psychopath. Yeah, it turns out that she got Sabak's owned. Oh, boy. Wow. Too soon, Josh. Sorry. That was really a low blow. <laughs> yeah, one episode uh, ago, Josh. I mean, uh, this is bad. So I'm in, like, the gallows humor stage of my grief. 
I understand. I definitely understand. And we can even be in denial because Shayla does pop back up. And on a show, Josh, where a lot of the stuff may or may not be occurring, where a character is losing track of reality, where we have seen other breaks from reality, uh, where violence and death do occur, I think there's probably some hope that maybe that's what happened when Shayla turns back up. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's clear pretty quickly when you see her bringing QWERTY in uh, in a little cup that this is a flashback, that this is the first kind of interaction between Elliot and Shayla. This is not someone cleaning out her apartment. This is Elliot remembering in some way what it was like the first time he met Shayla. This is their meet cute before yeah. she becomes meet not so cute. Oh, I'm man, sorry. you really are gallows. I'm really right? stuck in it. Wow. All Can right. You, help me out. Help I, me no, out I'm going to leave you hanging. Uh, oh, all right. Yeah, but yeah. no, it, it's, a, it's a very sweet scene until you get to the end, I feel like. Then and it's a gut punch. Yeah, and she's like, maybe you're worth a psychopath. It's like, he's not. He's not. No. I also love that line. Keep the fish, you filthy animal. Yeah, she's quoting Home Alone, a woman after my own heart. Oh, she's great. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Shalo, great character, really great character, and I love that you know final shot with the Mister Robot title card popping up, and she's just walking off into the distance, and it's really just like watching the ghost walk away. You know, the ghost fade away into thin air. That's going to be you know that's lights out on Shayla. Yeah, and I, as I said, it's just it, it is all the more meaningful and moving because. Unlike any character we've really seen in this show, including, as we talked about in the last podcast, what is kind of the nominal love interest of the first season in Angela, uh, who Elliot certainly seems to be carrying a torch for early on. Shayla represents the sort of Shangri-La almost, like this sort of thing that Elliot could potentially reach if he were a little more normal or if he did kind of exist in a world where he could find happiness. Shayla is sort of that brass ring, and to see that kind of how it started and know that it didn't end well uh, is a real gut punch. And I just this is a great idea to begin this episode this way tonally. I think it, it really starts it from a, a place where you realize that this has had an impact on Elliot. We do get a time jump in this episode. Elliot, his voiceover starts right away after this first scene. It's been a month since we talked. Yeah. So he's Lord knows what's happened in that month, Josh, where he's gone into uh, having lost Shayla. Uh, has he gone into a deep depression? It's, men- it's mentioned several times throughout this episode by other characters, including Elliot himself later. I've kind of had a rough month. You've had a rough month. I don't know how you've continued to work. So I don't know what impact that's had on uh, Elliot. We can talk about and kind of theorize on that. But it's a great uh, way to start an episode, especially one with a time jump where you're saying, like, remember this emotion? Like, this is still very raw and very real. I think, you know, kind of clarifying some of the thoughts from earlier about maybe this episode being lost in the shuffle a little bit. I think that we are at act two of Mr. Robot season one, if it's a two-act play. I think that Shayla's death was like the really horrible ending of act one, and now we really are starting this next motion, uh, this next movement, rather, of Mr. Robot season one. And I think it starts here, and there is this month-long break. Um, And, you know, what's been going on in that month maybe some of that is going to play out in the coming episodes but certainly here you know it starts in a really interesting way where elliot is here with krista and you know he is done with treatment uh it's it's over his court order treatment she would she would like him to continue but doesn't feel like she can really reach to him where elliot's not really 
being accessible. Uh, so this is difficult for, for Elliot, who is a guy that we know ought to be here and really ought to open up. That would be really good for him probably, but just does not seem to be capable of doing that. Yeah, because in his voiceover, he said, maybe I should hate myself. The added bonus is that Shayla died because of him. And he's in a place where if he were to open up and if he were to talk to her and actually try to utilize this sort of thing, maybe those feelings wouldn't dominate him or be the kind of things that bubble up the way they do. Instead, he's talking about her power outlets and how she needs to clean the sockets out. Yeah, yeah, you should clean your sockets out. Yeah, and Elliot's wondering if we're on Krista's side. Do we feel that way? And I think that I think that generally speaking, we are on Krista's side. I am. I'm Team Krista. Yeah, that Elliot, you know, does have more. Elliot, yeah, you should, he totally, you should continue therapy. <laughs> That's your Krista. Yeah. But this Krista or is that a different Krista? No, 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 no. It's not worth it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, clean out those <laughs> clean out those outlets. Nothing more than that. Elliot is really done. You know, he's he's out of the therapy and he is you know gonna just. To handle it himself. He's going to be all right here. Yeah, and I mean, this is an episode that's called View Source. And so I think Elliot would be encouraged in this instance to view his own source, to kind of take stock and inventory in his own life, uh, maybe try to copy things from other people that work well, uh, try to do these things and try to exist in a world where he can present the best Elliot to the public. Uh, and he doesn't seem to be that interested in doing it. Like he just, he's getting out of the mandated therapy instead of getting anything out of the mandated therapy. Uh, and that is really not the best idea to present himself to the world. And I think we're going to see by the end of this episode that he's in a place where he probably should be taking some stock of what's going on in his life because he's not in the best place emotionally. And, I, and as you were saying before, with this episode, you kind of it does get lost in the mix. I didn't think about this episode as the episode that ends with Elliot ripping Krista to shreds. <laughs> right, right. I didn't remember that as the. I thought the episode ended with Wellick uh, choking uh, Sharon Knowles on the top of the roof. Uh, no, there's several scenes after that, and the big scene, the big ending, is very emotional. It's Elliot with Krista. So there, this is even though Elliot is actually kind of more than any episode I think so far in the background of this episode. I think that ultimately it does begin and end with Elliot having to take stock of what his life is in light of what happened with Shayla, in light of the fact that his therapy has ended, uh, and how that manifests by the end of the episode, what he does with that, when he actually does try to be honest, does try to break through. It's, it's an ugly thing that comes out. Yeah. All right. Well, just to get the ball rolling on one of the other storylines that's going to run Don't through this use, episode. Don't use, Josh. You said, do, <laughs> did just, you do that just, on purpose? It's just one ball. It's just one ball. Josh, do not. <laughs> no, I didn't do that on purpose, I swear. Oh, my uh, gosh. But just oh. to get to... <laughs> That's <laughs> nuts. Don't do that again. Oh, no. Anyway, hard transition to make here. <laughs> uh, Angela is going to try and get a meeting with Terry Colby's lawyers. Uh, that's going to be a big storyline in this episode. Apparently, one of the storylines that's bigger than some of the other storylines. Yes, uh, you just can't help yourself, can you? I'm sorry. Yeah, you really can't. No, this is this is interesting because we've tracked throughout the kind of the the sort of span that Elliot is on, the struggles that he is having, but I think sort of developing in the background and certainly coming more to the foreground in more recent episodes is Angela's own journey. She has in most recently and talked in previous episodes talked about having a plan to change the world. We've seen her eschewing work at all safe in favor of some personal vendetta or some personal thing 
thing. And we're seeing the next continuation of that in this episode. And we're actually, we actually do hear, uh, as we get into this episode, we'll talk about her very specific plan is enumerated. It's spelled out what she wants to do and what she wants out of it. So this is an Evolution of Angela episode more than just about any uh, I think we've seen. This is showing where she's at. And boy, does she have to go through some difficult trials to get there, which uh, you just can't help yourself from joking about. I honestly didn't even mean it. <laughs> I swear. So I guess that says more about me than it does about you. Yeah, but then I <laughs> continued it. Uh, anyway, uh, so we'll get back into Angela in a little bit. We go back to Elliot. He is at all safe. Gideon, you know, paternal Gideon, good guy Gideon is trying to be like, hey, take some time off. Your girlfriend died. Uh, you know, take some time. Go find someone you can be your honest self with. And this is when we start getting into Elliot talking about view sources. Yeah, and that we see this kind of play out in a very, I think, unique kind of Mr. Robot way where Elliot is talking about how when he was a kid, you could rip off web design by hitting view source and copying the code that you liked. What if we had that for people as his observation? Would people really want to see what was at our core, the coding that made us up? And so then we see the people in the office as Elliot's kind of viewing their sources wearing these signs around their neck. Josh, what do some of these signs say? Uh, Some of these signs say, I love feet. Oh, good. I love feet. If I didn't have my feet, I'd be pretty screwed. I would as well. Uh, I steal. Oh, okay. What else? I steal mountain. (laughs) Secretly inside, I am steel mountain. I am the android representation of steel mountain. I'm scared of sex. I'm scared of sex. I got a nose job. I got an. I pretend to love my husband. Very dark stuff. Yeah. Well, or and, and kind of comically dark. I, I laugh at this scene every time I see it because even though I think it's meant to be dark, seeing somebody wearing a sign around their neck that says "I got a nose job" just makes me laugh. And I love feet is also funny. I don't know. I just laugh at this scene, and it's it's interesting because Elliot's kind of he's sort of observing or opining, if you will, that Gideon's advice sucks. Find someone to be your honest self with. Uh, And that's what his voiceover is saying. Like, really? That's BS. And then (laughs) to Gideon's face, he says, really good advice. Thanks. Yeah, that's really good advice, Gideon. Thank you. Yeah, so find someone to be your honest self with. And I think of that as a struggle that Elliot has had throughout this season and probably throughout his life. Is Elliot's honest self, as we've seen kind of in glimpses uh, of his past with his mother uh, and struggling to kind of find what that really is in terms of representation in his day-to-day, uh, is very difficult. And he's even in therapy, and he can't find someone to be his honest self with. Even though I think it's great that by the end of the episode, he's taken Gideon's advice. Yeah, I mean, in a really probably not great way. Not great, Bob. <laughs> but it's it's not fantastic. It's not no. fantastic. No, but uh, I, think it, I think it's funny because you're talking about Gideon and how paternalistic and how good he is. Uh, and that's true. He's, he seems to be a good boss for his people. But he uh, he's he's an interesting character, and we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about Gideon more, I think, as we get into kind of the uh, the next few episodes. But he's got another appearance this episode where he's he gets really upset with Angela because he's like, I'm trying to take care of my people, and so that does seem to be his primary motivation. If we were to view Gideon's source, it would probably say tries to be a good person, tries to be a good boss. Right, I would say so. But I think that this whole, you know, view source thing, like that seems to be a big theme running throughout the episode. Obviously, the titles are often the theme of the episode. We've seen that a lot. The Brave Traveler was, you know, Elliot going on this quest. We've seen this throughout many of these episodes. And I think here 
view source really applies to a lot of these different journeys. Like we're seeing Angela for who she is. We're seeing a lot about Mr. Robot going a little nutso cuckoo. We're seeing Darlene on her own mission. I think that this is a really great revealing episode about a lot of characters. Gideon in the way that you just talked about him. So that's another reason that maybe, you know, this is more of an ensemble episode than many of the others that are much more on Elliot's shoulders. But I like that. I think that that makes the episode fun. It has a different kind of energy. Well, and I, I really think for a show that we just talked about is going to expand from 10 episodes to 12 and is certainly not intending, I don't think, to be done after season two. It's, it's very important, I think, that you build out your bench, that you build out your characters, that they're more multidimensional than just, oh, he's the annoying guy. He's the fat guy. She's the funny person. She's the angry, drunk hacker. Like, we do need these layers to these characters. And I think you get a lot of mileage out of any of the work you put in in this episode to view their sources and to understand their motivations better. And by the way, you brought up Gideon, you brought up Angela. This is the episode where Wellick goes totally off the rails. Right, right. And we're we're kind of bearing the lead in that regard because I think when you view Wellick's source in this episode, it's gar it's garbled. It's it's garbage. It's not clear at all. I don't think you get a very clear picture. I think if anything, the Tyrell Wellick is muddled after you view the source in this episode. Yeah, yeah, no, that'll be fun. I mean, when we get to those Tyrell scenes, we'll we'll drill down into that for sure. Yep. Uh, here we are, Mr. Robot and Darlene hanging out. They're uh, they're are they they're at a bar right now. Yeah. No yeah. Appletinis in sight. No Appletinis in sight. This guy probably has varied tastes. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not all Appletinis all right. the time. No, it's not Mr. Appletini. He's Mr. Robot. Right. It's just that one place does really good Appletinis. Yeah, that's probably what you should get when you go there. But, you know, a month has passed, and we are now seeing that F Society has been quiet. This is an article that Mr. Robot is reading, and it's like, oh, it's the perception that we're weak. People think we're not doing anything. we got to do something here. Uh, so it's not been a lot of momentum on F Society's part in the month that's passed uh, since we last checked in on Mr robot yeah and nothing has really gone on mr robot indicates that he may have a plan uh even though the the backups have been shipped out to the other four facilities uh, and so you've got five copies of the thing in the u.s and you've got the china thing and they haven't got the dark army on board mr robot is saying we really need to get in contact with white rose if we can just do that uh we're gonna we're gonna be fine because i've got a plan in place and darlene is saying yeah god is laughing at your plan like we're we're not in a good spot darlene is yelling at other patrons in the bar are you white rose hello like, white rose yeah like bad are things bad things are happening this shows a very disjointed they're not even in the arcade you know they're in a bar so this shows a very disjointed version of f society elliot's not there uh romero's not there mobley's not there trenton's not there the whole band is not together and we are going to see this episode them trying to get the band back together uh and so we're seeing an f society that is pretty disjointed in that month yeah, for sure. And we're going to get into Mr. Robot's next move in a little bit. Um, first, we see Elliot is back at his place. He uh, is burning Shayla onto a disc. Yeah, unfortunately, this is Elliot's kind of ritual where he's writing someone out. His hack is done. He's burying Shayla. He labels it the cure, disintegration. Um, we see that he goes through his wipe ritual after this as well. Uh, we do see Flipper eat an SD card that he drops on the ground, which uh, I want to talk about. I don't know where that's gonna, if that's going to come up again or where, but it is very clear that the dog eats that, and then we come to the vet later. So this is, a, I think, an important scene, perhaps, uh, that we definitely need to keep in mind, that the, the very key part of the scene is the dog swallowing the SD card. 
Chekhov's swallowed SD card. Yes, that is too long for a hashtag. Yes, it's too long for a hashtag, but if you really want to put in the effort, you can tweet that to at AC Mazzaro and at Round Howard right now. Yeah, yeah thanks, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's a great Tyrell Wellick scene. You know, again, the muddled Tyrell Wellick uh, source code. You know, we're trying to view the source of Tyrell, and here is one version of Tyrell that is just very spontaneously angry. Uh, who is just, like, making just a spot decision to fire the crap out of these total losers, which is a fantastic thing that he has done. Yeah, I think perhaps unintentionally they've stumbled upon something that is a very sore spot for Tyrell Wellick because they say, like, I, they basically say that they're even hearing that some male executives are uh, going uh, with other males and sleeping their way to the top uh, in order to get there. And, of course, we know that Wellick has done that exact thing. Right. And it doesn't seem like they know that. They're just engaging in this disgusting, bro-y, like, gross conversation. But Wellick is sort of pass- passively listening. But once they say that, like, he's, he's kind of popping forward, and he's like, oh, what about your kids? And they like, say, hey, you- Tim, how are your kids doing? Yeah. Like, yeah, whatever, you know, they're at boarding school. He's like, boarding school? Yeah. You're not going to be able to afford boarding school and unemployment? And then he just shouts. He's like, wait, what do you mean? You're fired! <laughs> I'm going to make sure you get the minimum severance packages. And they said, what did we do? Wellick is just like, eh, nothing. Yeah, straight up nothing. Yeah, so this is great. Wellick is uh, perhaps coming a little unhinged in this scene. As I said, hitting a little too close to home unintentionally. These guys are just gross dudes. They've probably always been gross dudes and not been fired for it. But Wellick is sort of at the the end of his rope, if you will. And he's really got just enough left to hang himself with. And I think we're seeing that kind of starting the the, the first... Frayed edges are really boiling to the surface with Wellick. Angela and her lawyer, they meet up. It sounds like Terry Colby, Immunity Challenge Beast, is going to agree to a meeting with Angela as long as it's just Angela. No lawyers. Yeah, that's always a good start, I think. That, by good, I mean, of course, terrible. Well, I mean, um, it was Angela and her lawyers first. You know, that was on them. They're like, we don't want any of Terry Colby's lawyers to be present. If you want this to go through, then it's just got to be Terry Colby. And so now Terry Colby has shot back and said, no lawyer on your end either. Yeah, well, we know how that ends up, Josh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we sure do. We do. It's tough to swallow here. Uh, it's a, yeah. yeah, 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 indeed. Yeah. Indeed. All right, well, we'll get back to that in a second here. I hope we don't. <laughs> I mean, I know we have to, but I hope we don't. The great scene of Mr. Robot going to, like, Romero's You love farm. this scene. I love this scene. This yes. scene is so great, and Mr. Robot just, you know... Being like, hey, come on, time to get the gang back together. And Romero's like, I can't. Growing pot. <laughs> yeah, I'm making yeast, bud. Yeah, THC yeast. I'd never I'm heard of this. Bud yeast. Yeah. <laughs> THC yeah. cream. Yeah, I mean, this is a product. Romero is clearly uh, kind of a brilliant dude uh, who has found a way to use yeast and THC to really increase his yield, if you will, uh, and make products like this. Mr. Robot, not pleased with that. A waste of potential, he calls it, which is what a lot of people say about marijuana. I think. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, he sees Romero as just like not living up to it. And Romero is like, listen, man, you're, uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I'm doing a good thing here. And Mr. Robot's like, you're borderline pissing me off. Yeah, well, what happened if I cross that border? Yeah, Romero decides I'm going to cross the border. And he gets in Mr. Robot's face and Mr. Robot 
you don't want to cross the border, it turns out. No. He <laughs> breaks glass and immediately pulls a gun like a wild man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is like Wild West Christian Slater. This is some Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh action going on Oh, my on gosh. Sure, that's a deep cut right yeah, there. Yeah. It's a little bit of Young Guns 2 happening right yes, now. Yes. You're Billy the Kid, too, you know, yeah. Josh. You're all him. <laughs> no, I'm a Doc Skurlock kind of man. Dirty little Billy bastards. Yeah. You and I. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but he goes like, you and I both know I'm crazy. Not the cute kind either. And he breaks the glass. He busts out the gun. You've lost touch. Yeah, puts the gun right in Romero's face. Yeah, I didn't want to hurt you. I love you. Oh, I just great. wanted you to come back to the arcade. <laughs> this is great Christian Slater. This is like when you think about Christian Slater and you think about like Heathers. Like you think about his character there and you just think about like unhinged lunatic Christian Slater. This is so good. It's just yeah. so much fun to see. He goes so far as to, like, shove the gun in the face and say, I'm clearly too crazy to say no to. And then he shouts, bam, and fakes shooting the gun. And he's maniacally laughing. Uh, and then he throws the gun aside and says, you know, it's basic, it's very it's very reminiscent of that you gave me your word. You made a, you know, you violated the pact that you'd formed. Right. Because you gave me your word. You'd finish this. I gave you mine. What would happen if you didn't? Yeah. And then that's it. So what would happen? I mean, I guess he's going to kill the guy. Going to kill that, the guy. Is that his promise? Like, yeah, sure seems like it. Yeah, we would all go down together. Yeah, so <laughs> it's like that's the move. It's like if we don't finish this, if F Society doesn't win, and if you don't continue with F Society, you're out. Like there's yeah. no getting out of this club except the one way. Live together, die alone. Yeah, man. So it's a great scene. It's really awesome. I think that this is one of my favorite Mr. Robot scenes. Just not necessarily of the show, but of this character specifically. Uh, just really great stuff. Yeah, the song Sayonara is playing in the background. And it's kind of a, if you look at the lyrics of that song, I think it's it's sort of pertinent to what's happening. And it's, it's, it is a really good scene. Great setting. I just think that it all plays out really well. And this is Mr. Robot. You know, we saw him with Darlene at a bar, which is her natural milieu. I think if Romero's natural kind of habitat is this sort of grow off that he's working on, I think that's kind of an interesting character note uh, that he's more of a scientist or that he has this level of knowledge that he can bring to the table. We'll see later that uh, that Darlene meets with Trenton on a college campus. I don't know. Why didn't we see Mobley in like a burger shack, Josh? Because we'd already seen it. Yeah, good point. Good yeah. point. That is actually a deleted scene from this episode. He's the, already them, been. We've already been to McDamon's. Before. Them going to recruit Mobley. It really is a deleted scene from this episode. Oh, Recru- for real? Recruiting Mobley. Yeah, in a in a restaurant. Yeah, in at McDamon's. Yes, at McDamon's. Incredible. <laughs> McDamon's yeah. rib shack. That's fantastic. All right, here we go. Angela is going to go hang out with Terry Colby and Oh this, no, we're here already. This is uh listen, this is going to be a, a difficult conversation to have. I'll right let now. you uh, break Angela. that one down, Josh. <laughs> no, pretty much, you know, she's saying like I I want to know what happened at the executive meeting in 1993. Were you in the room when the decision was made to ignore the treatment of hazardous waste in Washington's township? And if you can answer that, I can help you out. Um, you know, I'll test, you know, if you testify about all of this, then I will testify that I broke chain of custody with the DAT file central to your case. And so you're going to be a free man. It's, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Um, I don't know how interested in scratching Terry Colby is right now. I saw that that was going to be a transition before you transitioned. That because he's said, interested in something else. He's interested in something else. Really no need to go there. If you've seen the episode, you know what it is he is asking her to do. And it is just a very ugly scene. 
Yeah, and honestly, I what is your is your read on this that he actually wants her to do that, or is he just being a pig and a jerk and not at all interested in talking to her and more interested in seeing her response? Because as we know from this episode, her response is to take that in stride, to take his disgusting kind of offer in stride and basically say, listen, if you don't take this deal, you're going to be like me. Yeah, you're going to live here. You're going to have money. But even if you get off this, you know, these charges, people are going to still think that you're guilty. You're going to lose everyone's respect. Uh, People you know, people you don't. It's a shitty feeling, she says. Trust me. So he really pushes the most vile thing he can in her face. She doesn't back down. She locks in and she responds in a way that makes him kind of intrigued and willing to work with her. He pushes her in the grossest way that he can. It does not push her buttons. She's still on point and that ultimately wins. I'm wondering if his gross offer was specifically to see how she would respond, not because he actually wanted it done. I mean, I think that there's something in there. Uh, I, I, th- I don't think he actually wanted her to do that. I think that it's him being a pig and I think that it's him digging in and being like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. You can leave. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could make you fold with one really gross proposition. Right, exactly. And then I think that it's, you know, her response is going to be what's going to intrigue him to invite her back. But I don't know if it was designed for that. Yeah, I mean, when when Eric Cartman says basically the same thing to Mr. Garrison, he's not actually <laughs> inviting Mr. Garrison to perform the act. It's more of a, you know, Maybe once yourself. he's on the megaphone, that is a, that is a formal <laughs> invitation. The megaphone is the best part, yeah. of course. M- M- but, Mr. Garrison. Mr. Garrison, yes. But, uh, but I think that this is sort of demean yourself. Like, you can ask me that question again, but you have to ask it in the most demeaning way I could possibly come up with. That's what I think of you. I, I now remember who you are. And I, I don't think that you have the, the sand, if you will, to really stand up to me. And I'm going to demean you uh, to the point where you back down. And when she doesn't, I think that that works. So I don't think this is him formally propositioning her to do this. I think it's more I'm going to be a gross pig and you're going to back away and I'm going to realize you're not worth it. And this never would have worked. And when Angela doesn't do that, he is intrigued. Yeah, I think so as well. All right. So we'll get back to that in a minute. Elliot is going to take Flipper to the vet. Flipper's been having some issues. Wonder why. Yeah. Swallowed the SD card. I think, Josh, this is a very key scene because we know Flipper is a stolen dog. If Flipper is microchipped, the information is not going to lead back to Elliot. The vet does scan the microchip. Uh, and that is, I think, uh, a very interesting thing uh, to sort of put a pin in because uh, that information is going to lead back to somebody else, uh, and it'll probably lead back to the guy who Elliot stole the dog from. Uh, that could be a real, a real problem for Elliot. Honestly, this is a little kind of loose end. And Elliot, even in this scene, is like, I don't know if she's microchipped or not. Clearly, he hasn't really thought about this. It's not a situation where Elliot has hacked into the vet system, changed the information on the microchip. We haven't seen that to be the case and so she scans the microchip i just don't know that that's going to end well i really don't and i really do think this is Chekhov's microchip okay Chekhov's microchip is in effect uh angel's going to get the phone call terry colby wants to talk we'll go chicken on that in a second we also see darlene is hanging out with turtle from entourage yeah the very same the exact guy the exact guy turtle from entourage is not thrilled with darlene because darlene has been doing some bs behind turtle back yeah she's been posing as him to work his dark army contacts to try to get f society the meeting with white rose and he's very upset about this but the strange thing is 
it actually worked that the meeting is on, that White Rose is going to meet with F Society, and that this is a very dangerous thing. I'll tell you to be careful, but I know it's the last thing you be. That That's what Turtle says. And, you know, maybe some progress has been made. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but not any progress in terms of Darlene and Turtle's relationship. Seems yeah. to be the end. Do you think at this point that White Rose is a character that we've met on the show so far? White Rose is going to be Johnny Drama. <sighs> That's not what I asked. <laughs> that is who White Rose is. I thought he was more of a Viking kind of guy. Yeah, Viking quest. No, we'll yeah. see. We'll see how the White Rose thing shakes out. Hard thing to talk about without getting into territory that we don't want to go to. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just I think at the time this episode aired, if you're watching it for the first time, a lot of speculation started about who is White Rose. Is it possible that White Rose is someone we've already met? Darlene yelling, are you White Rose at someone just randomly in public? White Rose is being built up to be this sort of mythical figure uh, that we haven't seen. I think a lot of people wonder, hey, is, is it possible that, that, that that's Tyrell Wellick? Is, right. it, is it Gideon? Is it, is it Elliot? Is it somebody that we don't know? I mean, that's, I think, what we're wondering at this point while we're watching it. And I won't spoil it except to say we will find out who White Rose is before the end of the first season. All right, so we'll get to that. In a bit, uh, we go back to Terry Colby's. Terry Colby is going to play ball. Uh, you know, because this is a good deal for Terry Colby. You just keep on. I'm the, sorry. It's not metaphors. intentional. I sure. It's, paging Dr. Freud. It's really not. Mm-hmm. Maybe for you. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure he's already here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. He's already he's in my, my house. He's coming my way next. Got yes. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, I'm on retainer. He's but, on my retainer. <laughs> but yeah. Terry Colby, he wants to know, what's in this for you? What do you get out of this? And Angela says, I want to know what I asked you before about the meeting that you had when you decided to ignore the leak. Um, and Terry Colby's like, I get it. You want to know if we all had cigars and laughed as we signed the documents, but the world doesn't work like that. And she says, tell me, tell me how it works. And apparently it works with a lot of shrimp cocktail, uh, a lot of people drunk, it's raining, you know, so that's, that, that was pretty much the day. Yeah, and, and Angela says, that's why I want to know. Yeah. Because I don't want people like you to continue to sit in those rooms together and make those decisions. Yeah, she says, uh, so you were drunk eating shrimp and it was raining when you decided my mother would die. Yeah. And that really sits on Terry Colby's face for a bit, I feel like. You know, like yeah. I, I feel like, the, uh, talking about view source, like I feel like this is an interesting look at a guy like Terry Colby. You know, um, she says, did it give you any pause? Did it give anyone pause when you made those decisions? And Colby, who's, like, become a little bit melancholy in the moment, I feel like he says, like, yeah, but uh, then you go home, and you have dinner, and you wake up the next morning. Yeah. And he just, like, turns around and, like, can't, you know, it's, I don't know if it's, like, he can't even look at her anymore, but I feel like he's been affected in this moment. And it's, like, kind of just, like, eat for, like even a guy like that can have, like, a brief moment of realizing, yeah, I'm a pretty awful dude. Yeah, she's making bare the kind of bargains that he struck with himself in order to exist in the world that he existed in. That in order to kind of do the daily things that he does, you make these tough calls and you just have to kind of go about your business. You have to just go home, have dinner, and wake up the next morning. And if you don't, uh, it does. It probably would sit on you. It probably would get to you. And so it, it's, I think, a very interesting thing, not just about Terry Colby. Great performance by the actor, as you're pointing out, letting it kind of rest on his face and the, 
melancholy is sort of there in the moment, but he's also sort of revealing, I think, the, 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 the bargains that people in these positions strike to operate on a daily basis. And that sometimes people make tough calls that are going to have a negative impact on some group of people. And a lot of times they do that in the belief that it's for the quote unquote greater good, that they're benefiting society more than they're harming it. And you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs and all of that. And yeah, there are going to be some Angela's moms out there who are in a negative place because of a decision that you made, but plenty of other people are going to benefit. So how do you draw that line? And I think that that's the bargain you have to strike when heavy hangs the head that wears the crown is essentially what Terry Colby uh, is wearing in this scene. But it is, uh, it's not, I don't know, it's not kind of the world that Angela wants to live in. And I think that's the message that F society is bringing to the table too, that, you know, we don't have to live in a world where so many people are harmed for the benefit of so few. And I think that that's ultimately what it comes down to. And that is certainly the kind of prescient everyday message uh, in the modern world that Mr. Robot is tapping into. Yeah, what's great about this too is like I get the sense that like Terry Colby's never really had to confront this before. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he pushes it aside, right? That's how you live with yourself. Just never thinks about it. And there he was a couple scenes earlier really trying to break Angela. Uh, it's like, oh, you're that hot young number who did the thing. And like, now I'm going to ask you to do this. And we don't need to say what this is. Uh, but, you know, like, he's trying to crack her. Just give him the garrison. Yeah, yes. give me, I'm going to give you the garrison. And like, yes. she's trying to break her and it doesn't work. Uh, and here comes the quote unquote hot little thing coming back and totally seemingly breaking him, at least in the moment. Certainly disarming him, and yes. not with uh, not with the, the sort of things that he was talking about, not with uh, the the way he describes her mouth or anything about being a hot little number. Right. She's disarming him with like truth and facts and emotion uh, in a way that that really does kind of get at uh, the the central bargain that he struck in order to live his life as the CTO of Evil Corp and the decisions that he's made that he doesn't want to look back on that she's forcing him to reflect on. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the next scene. We are going to start the sequence of Tyrell Wellick at the dinner party. CTO Scott Knowles is being anointed. Sharon is there. And Wellick is going to make his first move on Sharon. Yeah, speaking of things that you do in order to kind of – bargains that you strike and decisions that you make and that you have to live with, I think we know that Scott Knowles isn't the greatest person. We know that Wellick has kind of been making these moves and Joanna has sort of been pushing him into making these moves uh, to kind of get to a position where he can he can strike some bargains or do some bad things in order to impact a greater good, if you will. Uh, and we're seeing this – Joanna is saying to Wellick, like, steady. They're out of focus in the foreground as we kind of see these things that are happening in the background uh, where other people are successfully toasting their new relationship. Uh, they're in the background kind of out of focus or in the foreground out of focus saying steady. We need to focus on this and we'll see where that leads. Doesn't lead to a good place. Doesn't lead to a good place at all. But we're going to have Wellick talking to Sharon and it's like nice to see you and everything is a little awkward between these two and Wellick's like hey I'm reprimanded you know what are you going to do? Uh, that was very that was a, a big situation. That was a big power move that you threw out there. Yeah. And she's just you know because like, what he had come down to you know with his conversation about Joanna is like she wants to be wanted. So he's trying to play into that a little bit here I think and Sharon is really not playing that back. Oh, yeah. He certainly is using a ham-handed sexual metaphor, Josh. There's no bit. question about that. Yeah. Uh, a big entrance uh, sustained over and over. 
Yes, indeed. Or bold entrance, I should yes. say. Yes, yes. Yeah. So this is not good. He invites her to the roof. He said the cameras have been out since March. No one will know. And unfortunately, she does go to the roof. She will go there. Uh, very quickly before we go to the roof, Angela is going to let Gideon oh. know about everything that's going on with the Terry Colby case. And not surprisingly, Gideon's not pumped about this. Yeah, Gideon is basically saying, like, if you do this, all these people go down, all their families, the people that I'm protecting, the people that I've worked hard for, they're going to suffer because of your lie. Don't lie. Don't do this. And again, we see this sort of personal impact, if you will, of a, of a very personal decision. Angela is pursuing Terry Colby for very personal reasons. Again, the revenge motif or the revenge motive, I should say, is very strong with what Angela is doing. And that sort of laser-focused, tunnel-visioned revenge motive is going to have a negative impact on innocence, on people who are just trying to work a day and you know take care of their families and the people like Gideon who take care of them. And it's, it's, again, you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs kind of scenario where Angela is a lot not really concerned with the impact that she's going to have on the other people at all safe because she's more focused on her personal thing here. And I think there's an interesting line to draw with what's going on with Elliot. Where is Elliot acting in F society for personal reasons, like Wellick has suggested, that his dirty little secret is that he's really only doing what he's doing out of revenge for his father? Right. Uh, or is he trying to actually benefit more people in society? Uh, and, and I think that that's an interesting thing to track as, as we see the parallels. Because keep in mind, the inciting incident for Angela and Elliot is the same thing. Their parents were killed by Evil Corp, or they lost a parent each to Evil Corp. So their inciting incident is the same. How they go about kind of living with that incident the revenge they might pursue for that incident. I think it's interesting to draw connections between those things. All right. So now Tyrell Wellick is going to go to the roof and Sharon is going to be there and they're going to make out and then he's going to murder her. Yeah, that's it. That's all we need to say about this scene. (laughs) No, it's just, it's a, you know, it's a really messed up scene. Uh, It's really messed up. She shows up. um, She's like, I, you know, I half expect you not to show up. Uh, She's, you know, you intrigued me. I intrigued back. And he's, you know, can we be a little more straightforward? Uh, and she says, I just came up here to see if you were as, as gullible as you seem. My husband's getting the job you want. And here you are trying to F society me. Yes, exactly. Uh, keep in mind, the plan would be that if he is able to F society her and he can maybe photograph it or find some way to get some evidence of it, then he can turn around and blackmail her and blackmail Scott and eventually end up with the job. That is ultimately the end that that Mr. Wellick and Mrs. Wellick, the very happy Wellick family, have talked about, is that he needs to have sex with her ultimately uh, and use that as leverage against Scott Knowles. That is the plan. How quickly, Josh, does this plan go awry? Immediately. Immediately. Five seconds in. They're making out for like five seconds, and then he just chokes her to death. Yeah, he can't stop. And this is a very hot bot action. This is not cold robot, as we talked about. This is not the Wellick we've seen who has been very practiced and who is taking his pulse as he's fornicating uh, and checking his heartbeat. This is somebody who is very impetuous and in the moment just straight up kills someone. Yeah, no, he just goes into straight-up murder bot mode. FK8's wigs is blasting in the background, and suddenly, once Sharon is dead, the music disappears. And yeah. there's just, like, a realization of what has happened here. And Tyrell is 
breaking down. He's basically, he's crying. He's very upset. He's wiping her mouth to get, like, any trace of him off of there, I think. Yeah. Doesn't seem like he's doing a great job at that. No, he's got, like, some kind of alcohol wipe, though. So unlike the uh, microchip scan in the vet, at least he does appear to be covering his tracks. We already know the cameras are off, according to uh, uh, Tyrell. So we do know that, you know, maybe he's going to be able to get away with this because he's wiped the evidence away and he's gotten someplace where the cameras haven't shown but he's got to be one of the prime suspects for this crime i mean look he's already had personal beef with with scott Knowles. scott, scott Knowles, Knowles knows that tyrell yes. went into the bathroom with sharon so yes, yeah the, he knows be, about the bold entrance he's gonna be considered at yes the least. he will be considered he has a motive like he has all the motive opportunity and means like this is easily a crime evidence aside that will point back to tyrell wellick so this is not the sort of practiced cold kind of uh, calculated action that i think sharon knowles has been encouraged sharon knowles that joanna wellick has been encouraging right this is not steady as she just told him in the scene before this at the cocktail party this is as impetuous as hot-blooded as hot bot as you can get this is trouble real trouble yeah. real bad and i mean it's one thing listen man it's one thing to beat up a couple of guys in an alleyway and at least you know it's a job they're paying them this is straight up murder yeah and i mean it, the thing is also that other thing is terrible too <laughs> you do wonder like is that sort of beat up a couple guys in the alley thing a way of his his life that controls the urges we've right. seen how practiced and how controlled he is with what he does whether he's practicing his monologues in the mirror before he goes and, and intends to deliver them whether he is sort of getting his release which we know is something this was not the first time he beat up this bum and it's the same guy we know that this is something that he does in order to kind of control his urges and to control himself we know that even in the bold entrance uh, kind of scene he's the one who walked away from that he was the one who was controlling and practiced and reasonable but we've seen the wellick that tears the kitchen down as joanna wellick is calmly eating fried pickles in the foreground so we know he has this sort of monster somewhere inside of him that if not controlled can do this but this is that monster really coming to the surface and saying here i am these are my demons and this is what's happening with wellick as we get seven episodes in i gotta say if he's doing this at episode seven in a 10 episode season it doesn't bode well for where he's going to be emotionally psychologically the rest of the season all right so from here, Darlene is going to meet up with Trenton. Trenton is on a college campus. Plans back on. Yeah, and I think this is one of Trenton, if not the best Trenton kind of scene in uh, the, the episodes that we've seen so far. She sort of sums up and says, you know, look, plan. What plan? You want momentary anarchy. Romero wants a whiff of fame. Mobley just likes palling around. These reasons depress me. And then she goes into a great little monologue about how her parents came to America. They're in all this debt. They have this kind of wage slavery that they're part of, and yet they love it. And they won't shut up about how great it is. But they're going to die in debt doing things that they never wanted to do. And that's sort of Trenton's motivation. That's what Trenton really wants to fix. And I, I think as far as the motivations go, what Mr. Robot has expressed, what Trenton is expressing about these other characters, I understand this motivation. I think this is pretty pure motivation. I get it. It makes sense for Trenton wanting to strike specifically at Evil Corp for this reason. I think it's a really nice, succinct summary of all the things Mr. Robot was kind of loosely hitting and all the sort of paranoia that Elliot's been spreading throughout. I think this 
this is a great summary of why Trenton wants to act and why she sees this as a pure and good thing to do for society. She seems like the best avatar possible for like the purest mission statement of F society. I think that's right. I, I think that that's, and I think the interesting thing is Darlene says we need each other to see this through, but I think that it's, it's very interesting that they need each other in light of the fact that Trenton's motives seem very different than everyone else's, that Romero is just pursuing fame, that, you know, that Darlene is an anarchist, that these people just want to cause harm, and Trenton actually has these pure motives. So I think this is a really kind of interesting and good way. I mean, she's gone back to school, it seems like. I don't know if she's an instructor or a student. I would assume student, but this is what she's doing in her 30 days. Like, she's just focusing on self-improvement and keeping a low profile. She's not growing marijuana or doing God knows whatever Mobley is doing, eating cheeseburgers. <laughs> Let's not begrudge the man for eating cheeseburgers. McDamon's. McDamon's. Yes. Um, Turtle from Entourage and Ollie are going to hang out. That's oh, great. Yeah, this is not, if you're Ollie, this is not the guy you ever want to see again. Like, yeah. he's, Cisco shows up, Turtle shows up. Hey, have you been tweeting about my rap CD? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're 50 some followers. real influencers in there. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And I also love uh, how I was like, I'm going to call the cops, and Turtle is like, Hi, I'm this idiot doofus who is calling because some guy who gave me a computer hacking device device thingy is, you know, bothering me. And, like, you're just going to out yourself here, buddy. Like, what are you trying to do here? Yeah, and then he gives a pretty intimidating metaphor to Ollie, which I'm not sure I understand. Basically, a giant S-storm that rains turds will leave a giant cloud in the sky spelling out your name. That's just a really gross thing. And I think more than anything else, you don't want something gross like that associated with you. No, you don't. You don't want your name to be spelled in amongst the clouds except in feces yes and this is just a bad deal but it's also a bad deal that this guy that cisco the turtle wants something of ollie and it's not clear exactly what he wants uh more on that to come i think in future episodes perhaps but this is not the guy you want asking you for a favor considering what your previous interactions with him have led to Interesting that Turtle is still active. We know that he is with the Dark Army, and he is not exactly thrilled with Darlene right now. So you got to wonder if there's some cross-purposes going on. Yeah, and he's scared of the Dark Army. Like, we know that he's articulated that this is a dangerous kind of group to be working with. So what exactly is he carrying out and why? I think that's an interesting thing to track as we get into future episodes. Elliot is going to end the episode for us. He is going to go to Krista's office and he is going to let her view his source as he tells her that he has viewed her source many times. Yeah, and this is, I mean, this is Elliot's breakthrough moment, if you will, in therapy. And it's kind of a shocking breakthrough moment because it is a very clearly a, I don't know what the word you would use clinically to describe it, but Elliot is not a normal person by any stretch. And when he starts to reveal, as, as Gideon has suggested, find someone you can be your honest self with, when he is honest with her, this is what comes out. And it starts off with him kind of showing up with his hood up and showing up in the non-court-ordered way. This is his first therapy appointment, wanting to be there. He doesn't even have an appointment, I don't right. believe. No, he doesn't. He shows up, wheezed at her office when she arrives in the morning. She's going to have an awful day at work, by the way. Yeah, she really, this is, if this is the way your day starts, yeah, it's going to be bad for the rest of the day. What I think is really fascinating about this, Josh, is let's track what Elliot's scenes this episode have been so far. So we start with sort of the flashback and him remembering Shayla, and we start with Elliot kind of in the, the therapy scene with Krista, where he has nothing to offer except that her sockets need to be cleaned. We see him talking to Gideon and Gideon saying, how are you even here? Be your honest self with somebody. We see him talking about the view source 
dinosaurs. We see him burning Shayla onto the disc and saying he'll miss her. Then we see him take Flipper to the vet. That's it. Then he shows back up for therapy. That's it. Yeah. Uh, And somewhere through all of that time, he has decided, like, I need to let this out. Yeah, and whether that's Gideon's phrase actually getting to him, whether that's Elliot carrying the Shayla of it all with him uh, throughout blaming himself for her death, uh, maybe I should hate myself, all of that. Maybe that's Krista actually trying to have an impact with Elliot and her final words being like, I stuck with this because I believe in you. Regardless, that path in this episode brought him to her door unexpectedly and brought him to a position where he really does show her his true self. And I think that that's really interesting um, because I think it, I think it shows a little bit more of Elliot's mentality in an indirect way than we're seeing or hearing him directly state. I think this is somebody who is unmoored and who is having problems and who has had a rough month. And he really does maybe, despite all his greater demons and despite all his greater problems, want to connect with somebody. And so what he's telling Krista is, you'd be surprised how much we actually do connect, how much we actually are the same. We're a lot alike. Yeah, I've been lying to you. And yeah, I don't take my pills. But you know what? You don't either. And this morning you brought a, you bought a tall hazelnut latte and you basically lied to yourself about why it should go on your credit card. I know your porn habits. You oh, know? yeah. I watch yeah. you on your webcam. Right. You've told your friend that you want your mom to die. Yeah, you tell your doppelganger appointment that she should leave her husband because you're sick of being dumped. I mean, this is very kind of probing psychological analysis that Elliot has done of Krista. And he ends with basically saying, hey, you cry sometimes, just like me, because you're lonely. I don't just hack you, I hack everyone. I Friends, hack everyone. Coworkers, but I've helped a lot of people. I want a way out of loneliness just like you. Yeah, is that what you wanted to hear? I don't think so. (laughs) Well, who knows? Because that's where the episode ends. But the look on her face throughout this all is she is staggeringly moved by Elliot's comments, whether that's moved and like touched in a good way or moved in a fearful way. uh, That is to be interpreted by you right now. And in the future, we will see what the ramifications are uh, from this. But this is a big moment. This is a big moment for Elliot and really uh, for Elliot, a very powerful scene. Yeah. And I think incredibly well acted by both principals in this scene. Like the, as you're right, like there's a lot of Krista just wearing it on her face. There's a lot of her just kind of having to react to what Elliot's saying. And there's a lot, a ton of vulnerability in what Remy Malik is doing here. And I think a huge part of that is he's saying things aloud that we've really kind of only heard in voiceover before. This is how he speaks to us, his imaginary friend that he's created to have someone, to have anyone that he can connect with, that he can talk to, these sort of inner thoughts and the things that he recognizes about people. We've never heard him vocalize out loud to another character that he's chosen Krista, that he's chosen this moment. Sure, it has to be a product of what's happened with Shayla. Sure, it has to be a product of where he's been with F Society and the memories that keep coming up when Mr. Robot prods him about his dad or when Elliot remembers his mom uh, and remembers his upbringing and all these things, they have all led to this point where he's finally able to express something out loud. He's viewed Krista's source. He's sharing his source and he's done what Gideon said. He found somebody that he can be his honest self with. And I think that this is fascinating. I think this is a really important scene to remember as we go into other episodes that this is where Elliot is on this path right now. And in therapy, you look for breakthroughs. This has to be considered a breakthrough 
because he's admitting some pretty scary stuff about himself to the person that he's saying, I've spied on you. So this is a very vulnerable thing. He's really putting himself out there. Uh, and I think this is just a, a great way to the end, the end the episode. Like I said, did not remember uh, this episode ended this way. Uh, when you view it on the continuum of his character development throughout the season, I think it's really powerful, really well acted, a real gut punch way to end the episode. I love it. Absolutely. All right. Anything else in the spoiler-free section before we hop into the spoiler-filled stuff? No, uh, nothing really. Like I said, I, I think there's some really interesting stuff to kind of put a pin in, uh, both in the context of where we go in episodes 8, 9, and 10, uh, and where we might go in season 2 uh, with some of these things. There's some really key kind of moments that happen in this episode, uh, and I think that there's some great, great stuff. This is a great episode to watch and then immediately watch the next episode. All right, so there you have it. You're hearing it now. That is the cue. That is the music cue that we are getting into spoiler territory. Stick around oh if you gosh. have seen this stuff already or if you are not interested in going to the spoilers section, you should hop out now. Uh, any hashtag suggestions, Antonio? Hotbot. Hotbot. All right, hashtag hotbot. If you got this far, hit us up at AC Mazzaro as Antonio. I'm at Round Howard. Stick around for the spoilers section if you're into that stuff. Otherwise, we'll talk to you guys very soon when we get back here on Robot Road with Episode 8. back here we are we are in the spoiler section talking about episode seven from a spoiler filled perspective spoilers 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 spoilers. it's just a head in the box no what's in the box spoilers spoilers sophia's in the barn the whole time oh that was a terrible 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 yeah i'm not spoiling anything on that one i'm doing you a favor oh that was so annoying all right well let's talk about (laughs) mr robot spoilers talking through episode seven which i actually do think is really interesting this is a really rewarding episode on the rewatch watch when you know um a few of the things that happen here in season one. Oh yeah i mean the, the the scene alone with mr robot and romero is worth a thousand spoilers that is a great great scene in light of what you know once you've watched the whole season yeah that's just straight up elliot losing his crap like it's i really wish like are there deleted scenes of rami malik you know playing out that moment like can you because you could just picture it yeah. you can see elliot going full-blown cray and sticking a gun in romero's face that's a really wild idea i kind of wish that we'd seen it and that makes me very excited about where we could go in season two well and it's really great to think about what happens when elliot's going through the withdrawals for example or when mobley and romero are talking about uh, elliot kind of in the in abstentia when elliot's in that moment uh, and why they stick around why they listen to him because there's a little bit of fear involved and this guy really is unhinged and once you cross paths with him he's not going to let it go you can't just retreat into your grow up and expect him to just leave you alone he will pull a gun on you which by the way uh in episode eight when darlene tries to hand elliot the gun he wants no part of it i don't even know how to use a gun he says i don't know you know and yet he's pulling one out of his own pocket in this scene right yeah (laughs) Yeah, absolutely yeah so this is i mean it's really fun to think about the kind of the the mr robot of it all if you will uh, and how this plays out in the scenes that we see him we talk about how elliot is minimized in this episode but when you realize that mr robot is elliot then you're gonna a very elliot heavy episode when you encounter all the mr robot scenes as well yeah and he's in pure mr robot mode when he's hanging out with darlene who we are going to learn 
learn in the next episode is his sister. Yes. Uh, so he just in like scenes where it's just the two of them, he has shown her a Mr. Robot side of himself. Yeah. And it's funny because Gideon says, find someone to be your honest self with. And here we see a lot of his honest self coming out, whether it's talking to Darlene, whether it's talking to Romero, we see that darker side of Elliot's honest self coming out. And I do think it's interesting in an episode where Elliot, the character has this sort of break or he has this sort of, uh, this sort of breakthrough, I should say in his therapy. And he's in this really volatile emotional place because of what happened with Shayla. This is the episode where we see the least amount of Elliot and we see more of Elliot acting as Mr. Robot alone. Yeah. Um, and you know, you got to wonder like, what has this month been like for Elliot, not just the pure Elliot Alderson that we are kind of, you know, following through the show on your first watch, but also the Mr. Robot side of his personality. He seems like a guy who is not very thrilled with this perception that F society has gone quiet because they're weak and everything. He wants to make a move. He wants to bring the band back together. And I wonder, you know, why has Mr. Robot, if he is a guy that has some influence and has some sway why wouldn't he have already gotten things back on track? I think it's because the Elliot side of his personality has been so wildly off his game that Mr. Robot probably himself has been quiet and weakened. I think that's an excellent observation. And I think that's 100% probably dead on, is that the stuff with Shayla impacts every aspect of Elliot, not just the Elliot aspect, but the Mr. Robot aspect, the F Society kingpin aspect, the aspect who wants to make this move and who's put all these things together. Mr. Robot is talking about, I've got a plan in motion in this scene when he's meeting with Darlene. And as we'll see in the next episode, it's Elliot's plan. I mean, that... <laughs> That is, we, we, we do kind of draw some connections, not by the end of next episode, but by the end of the season, of course, that Elliot and Mr. Robot are one and the same. But this is Elliot's plan that Mr. Robot has claimed to have in motion. So even if you weren't sure by the end of episode eight what's going on, you can still draw these connective tissue kind of moments together by these little throwaway lines. And I think that that's fascinating. Yeah. All right. So what should we, what should, where should we go to next? How about the uh, flipper, flipper eating the SD card? Do you think that that's going to be something that's going to come? into play later yeah on. i mean i think that so we see in the beginning of this episode and we see it in next episode we've seen it in previous episodes when elliot hears a knock on his door elliot's the kind of guy who doesn't really love the outside world so every knock on his door sounds like a really loud pounding not just like there's never a calm knock on his door no matter what we hear the knock on his door at the beginning of this episode. It's Shayla. We know from the end of this season that the kind of cliffhangery moment is a, a, a very loud knock on the door. We also know that uh, Michael, the well, whatever you want to say his name is, Krista's ex-boyfriend who Elliot hacked and stole Flipper from, we know that he has been kind of pursuing Elliot, that he's interested in trying to track him down, and that he's had people looking after him. I think a very valid theory of who might be knocking at that door when it comes down to it is it might be somebody related to this microchip incident yeah yeah interesting i mean we're talking about you know eventually or we're going to start talking about it pretty soon about tyrell wellick by the end of the season and in previews we've seen for season two is being talked about as a fugitive by you know an authority no no lesser than president barack obama uh, is going to be calling out wellick by name that's going to be a guy who is going to be on the run for some stuff Probably including, you know, everything that happened with Sharon in this episode. But are we going to see in season two, is it possible that 
we're seeing Elliot in similar circumstances. Uh, is Elliot going to be fingered for some of this stuff? And is he going to have to really protect himself? And is this one of the things that we have to start considering? Yeah, uh, I don't know. That's a very valid question. And I think you're right. That's more of a season two question, not necessarily a spoiler of season one. Um, I, we've talked at length in the spoiler and spoiler free sections of this podcast about there potentially being something deeper between Elliot and Mr. Robot, or I'm sorry, Elliot and Wellick, or Mr. Robot and Wellick, however you want to call the relationship between the two of them, that there is interaction that's ongoing that we haven't fully seen. And I think the interesting question would be, has Elliot sort of, you know, kind of behind the scenes or without the audience knowing, without his imaginary friend knowing, has he positioned Wellick to be the fall guy for this whole operation throughout? And is that ultimately what he's done with Wellick? And is it not really going to blow back on Elliot as much because he's tried to make it so that it's going to blow back on Wellick? And I think that that's, um, I think that that's interesting because Wellick is clearly coming unhinged in this episode. We, we talked a ton about how he's normally very much on track, and this is a big thing. USA has has said in the kind of trivia show notes about this episode that uh, the murder that that Wellick kind of really being at the end of his wits and for some reason killing Sharon Knowles just going totally off script will make a bit more sense in season two. What that means, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so this scene with him on the rooftop where he's murdering Sharon, that's something that we should be uh, looking for some sort of explanation on why he's like crying at the end of it, you think? Yes, in terms yeah. Of- Why he's gone off script to begin with, why he's done all this. I think we're going to see, uh, I think, I think it's possible that season two will open the door to some flashbacks. I think that there is room to fill in the gaps of memory that exist and that I think the show is playing with and having fun with. We don't know, for example, we see in this episode getting the band back together. We don't know how the band originally got together. We don't know how Elliot identified and recruited all these people. There's a lot of room for this show to do that. Uh, if you'll recall, Mr. Robot says that Elliot's test, if you will, was the don't delete me F society kind of line in that server that he gave everybody there a similar test. And the reason that they're there is that they passed the test. He's talked about how that has happened. Mr. Robot has mentioned that to Elliot. So we could easily see those tests. We could see him recruiting Romero. We could see the genesis of their relationship that sort of comes to a head with this scene in the THC grow up. So there are really good opportunities, I think, to fill in these blanks. And I think one of the big blanks to fill in is the Wellick and Elliot relationship and whether in this 30 days of what's gone on with Shayla and Elliot kind of disappearing and what's happened with Mr. Robot during this time period, as Mr. Robot is holding a gun on Romero, as Mr. Robot is really trying to force the issue to get things back together, did he do something with Wellick that's kind of shoving him further off the rails? And I think this will be a really interesting discussion next episode when we get into where Elliot or where Wellick and Mr. Robot directly meet right. and Wellick comes home and says god has been above us this whole time like he's really affected at that point and i think so affected that it doesn't really make sense in light of the the similar the small meeting that they've had so i think it's entirely possible that mr robot and wellick have had interactions even in this 30 days that push wellick to the edge you mentioned you know like the tests you know passing the test to be part of f society yes. could this be the test 
you know, killing Sharon Knowles? Is there is there anything here that this is something that gets you in on what we're doing over here in a more official capacity? Interesting. I don't know. That's a really good observation. I honestly, I think it could. I think I, it also could exist in a world where Elliot wants to frame Tyrell Wellick. So he's pushed him into a position where he's frameable, right. where he looks like an unhinged kind of guy who would take direct action. Because if you look at the wanted posters for season two, Wellick is not just wanted for cyber crimes. He's wanted for murder. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is an easy, I think, a way to kind of just make him look like a crazy person that this sort of thing could be pinned on and not just like, oh, he wouldn't do this. Like he's a he's a, a, a well-positioned guy. Why would he do this? Oh, no, he's a crazy person well-ic who kills positioned. people. He's a well-positioned guy. That's exactly right. Well-ic position is a bad position, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well-ic position is kneeling on someone and choking them. <laughs> it ends in death. Yes. <laughs> so, is this is this Tyrell, Tyrell Wellick's first kill? Or has, Tyrellic. He ki- or has he killed before? I think uh, I think that's a very valid question. I I always viewed it as his first kill. And yes. like he's crying here because, oh, my God, I've actually done it. But was he beating the crap out of homeless people? The way that you talked about this in the spoiler-free section got me wondering, like, is he keeping the urge quiet because, like, the urge has spoken up before? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. And I don't know the answer to that. He seems like he's sort of keeping it together uh, and that he's not a killer. In, in he, I mean, we talked a ton about comparing him to Patrick Bateman. So to say he is not a killer would not necessarily be on point. But we've seen him kind of be very calculated. And it's possible he's killed, although – if that's the case, if he's a calculated murderer, I don't know why he didn't just murder Scott Knowles, right? Yeah. Like that's the kind of thing where if that's who you are as a person, find a way to make Scott Knowles disappear and then the job might be yours easily enough. Right. So this is, you know, it's probably just an impulsive thing yes, that's happening Yes, it seems here. impulsive. Uh, it's just so, so gnarly. And it's just like, it's such a turn for the character who's already been such a strange individual who has done some very extreme things. But this is very extreme and it feels i don't know i didn't feel like it was going to happen in the moment on the first watch and suddenly it does and it's just like ah yeah all right, call him call him impulsive call him impetuous call him improvisational i just don't think that this is a product of a i don't know like a, a thoughtful mind like somebody who has reasoned and who has decided that this is what he wants to do i think this is a product of an unhinged mind and someone who is just following uh, those impulses and being uh, the kind of way that he wants to be deep down and that maybe Mr. Robot or Elliot has stoked that maybe that's something that they've played off of and that that is something that he, you know, whether Elliot was the impetus uh, for this impulse or not, I think is, uh, is a question that we obviously don't have answered by the end of season one. But I think, you know, based on the show notes and based on the kind of interactions, it, it could be something that we see played out in season two. Anything else from this episode you want to talk through from a spoiler filled perspective? Yeah, I think that the uh, I think that the the kind of discussion between uh, Cisco and Ollie is interesting. We find out in the next episode, of course, that the, the, the thing that he needs Ollie to do is he needs Ollie to kind of get Elliot to this place where Elliot can meet with White Rose, take these uh, drives and carry them out and, and have the meet set up. The interesting thing about that, of course, is that Ollie knows that Cisco is a bad dude and that bad things have happened because of his interactions with Cisco. He also knows that Elliot has interacted with Cisco in some way. Then the hack happens, uh, and the hack in part 
possibly takes advantage of something that happened with Allsafe, possibly not. I think that Ollie's a little bit of a loose end at, at this point because Ollie has been recruited by Cisco to take this action against Elliot to bring Elliot into the fold, and this is the meeting that sets that all up. So I do think that there's a way for Ollie to exist in season two and not just be a douche. There's a way for Ollie to exist in season two and have enough knowledge about these things to perhaps connect them, and I think that that's interesting. Uh, do you want to plant the flag now? Does Ollie survive season two? I don't think he will, but I think that he will be in season two and put himself in a position where he can't survive. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I w- I'm not, not that I'm rooting for the guy to die. Uh, but uh, like, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I feel like it could be an interesting development for sure. Yeah, I, I think that I just think that that's uh, that's there. I, I just I yeah, it's it, out there. It's an interesting thing that Cisco recruited Ollie to get this done, and that Ollie now knows that this guy who at least was responsible for this horrible hack of Allsafe, uh, that may have been responsible for the greater hack that went on in society, had some connection to this other guy that I work with, who I already, by the way, don't really like and may have a little bit of an axe to grind with. Yeah, I you know, this next batch of episodes that we're getting into, it's really exciting. We're really, you know, this is the point where you get into episode eight, and from there on, if you are able to leave your television set or your computer or however you're watching it without finishing the season, you're a stronger-willed individual than I am. This was yes. the moment where, like, I got to eight, and it's like, all right, eight, nine, ten, boom, 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 we just got to finish this right now. The reveal after reveal after reveal, to the point that, like, our spoiler-filled sections are getting smaller, I think. Yeah, uh, because, you know, the big secrets are coming out and that's very, very exciting stuff. I mean, as of next week in the spoiler free section, we will be talking about Mr. Robot as Elliot's father. Yeah, that's happening. Yeah, episode eight may be the best episode of the entire series. Wow. I really feel that way because just, you're right, the way that it begins, reveal after reveal after reveal, Darlene and Angela in the ballet, uh, in the in the class, knowing each other, uh, the things that happen ultimately throughout the episode that bring these characters together, the scene with White Rose, which is so great. B.D. Wong! All- all the B.D. Wong, so good. Just the things that – and then the stuff with the Wellix, the fork and all of it. Episode 8 is a great one and something really to look forward to. So I can't wait to talk about that with you, Josh. Really looking forward to that. Anything else before we wrap up? No, we got to make Wellick position the hashtag for the spoiler <laughs> section, I think. All right, fair enough. Give us some hashtag Wellick position. Don't choke us out if you're not enjoying what you're oh, listening to. Oh, I should say, I mentioned this earlier, and I know there are people who don't like it when I say I'm going to talk about something in the spoiler section and then forget to. In the trailer for season two that was just released, Josh, yes. there is a scene of, Joan- or of Joanna Wellick just screaming with blood all over her face. Oh, God. I mean, I can't imagine something to get me more hype for season two than that. That's very exciting. Yeah, so that looks great. Oh, I also want to very quickly discuss uh, the program that USA aired this week that was sort of a kind of deeper dive into Mr. Robot, the series. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, so I think the special is just called Mr. Robot Decoded. I do believe that it may still be airing at the time you listen to this, so if you have watched all of season one, I do recommend checking it out. I I think it might be an hour, but what it is is it's a lot of kind of interviews with white hat hackers, the good hackers of the world, people who run security companies and who find vulnerabilities. Talking about the legitimacy of Mr. Robot, it really gets into the the way the show's kind of computer stuff is very real, the concept consultation they do to make that happen. Uh, I think that that's really kind of a fascinating look from these people talking about not only is the stuff resonant where the actual stuff you see on screen is real and that that stuff could take hours to create, 
But they talk about how Elliot, the character, is somebody who really identifies directly with hacker culture in a lot of ways. And I think that's fascinating. A lot of great stuff from Sam Esmail, the creator, showrunner, writer, director of all of season two, talking about uh, the inspiration for the show, the things that they, they kind, you know, that kind of inspire what he's writing. A lot of great stuff from Remy Malik about his thoughts, about Elliot. Just a really kind of good look at the show uh, for people who really enjoyed season one. Uh, with spoilers, certainly, uh, for people that haven't seen season one, it is more geared, I think, to try to just generate hype for season two among the people who have seen it. There are some sneak peeks into season two, some things to look forward to there. So uh, I think it's really worth checking out. I highly recommend it. All right. If you're Jones and for more robot action, go check it out. What's it called again? Mr. Robot Decoded? Mr. Robot Decoded. And as I said, it's on USA Network. It's probably on their website. Uh, I know that they're showing it kind of over and over and over again. Uh, So it's well worth checking out. I also wanted to mention one final thing. Uh, Post Show Recaps own Zach Brooks uh, tweeted out. We own Zach Brooks? Yes, he belongs to us. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. He was acquired. I think he used to belong to uh, another company called Natty Bros. Uh, and I think we we bought uh, Zach from Natty Bros for like some Michigan State Spartans gear, maybe. Um, he tweeted out a really interesting article uh, from New York Magazine. Can we link it in the show notes? If sure, I, uh, of course. Yeah, it's a really great kind of deep dive into what it would look like uh, if if there was kind of a coordinated cyber attack on America, and it's really well sourced with like direct links to things that have happened uh, in the last few years. Uh, it is sort of a written in 2017 kind of uh, this is what happened as this hack progressed. Uh, this is what cyber terrorism would look like. I think it really rests right in this stuff that we're going to get to in the end of this episode and what that would really look like and how you could hack all these different things, whether it's uh, whether it's temper- temperature systems at plants or whatever it is. It's a really kind of terrifying article. I'll be honest with you. It's a really good article. Uh, so I'll definitely, I'll definitely uh, make sure that that's linked in the show notes. Awesome. Very good stuff. All right, we'll be back next week talking about episode eight of Miss Robot season one, White Rose. Very big episode, lots of big reveals. Very excited to talk that through. Some hashtag Wellick position, if you will give that to us. At AC Mazzaro is Antonio. I'm at Round Howard. We'll be back very soon talking through that episode. Take care, everybody. Goodbye.